everybody, this is Rudy Sarzo, and you listen to Diary of the Mad Man podcast right here. Come back and listen to it some more. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diary of the Madman, the ultimate Ozzy Osbourne podcast, where we geek the fuck out about all things Ozzy and all things Ozzy related. I'm Mr. Josh Crum and he's Mr. Dan Drago. How's it going, Dan? Doing well. How you doing, man? Doing good, dude. Excited to get back at this and get to today's topic. Top Ozzy album closers ranked. Yeah, I cannot wait for this topic. And I thought when we first threw it out there, like, oh, I can do this one. No problem. But then I listened to them all and I was like, fuck, this is way harder than I thought it was going to be. There's some classics that end Ozzy records. So this one's going to be a blast to talk about oh yeah absolutely i think a lot of fans take what song ends an album more seriously than sometimes even the artists do it's something we discuss all the time like oh man they should have closed with this one or this one would have been a good closer and i think it's where we play music and you know we have sequenced our own records in the past and our own releases but to me how you finish an album is very important it's almost like wrestling right send them home happy right, right. and i feel the same way about albums man like put a good fucking closer on there that has a climatic ending that just fucking picks you up and you want more and more uh, it's very important in my opinion track listing is super important you know we've both released a ton of albums in our non-careers but i love sitting down and trying to figure out that track list you want to tell a story and sometimes that story closer is something mellow where you go home on a somber note and sometimes it's really heavy and thrashy and you go home on a holy shit real high note depending on what the album style is so i agree with you the track listing is so important kind of like a set list you know I love doing that when we used to play out live a lot too. But what I'm most excited about today, Josh, is we're going to talk about songs and a few albums we really haven't dived into enough on our podcast. We're being very systematic, very strategic on where we go and what topics we're hitting. And I'm just really excited to talk a little bit about Down to Earth and Black Rain, you know, some albums we haven't talked too much about. Well, yeah, I mean, even The Risk for the Wicked. I mean, it's not yep. it's one we've not really hit that hard yet. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. And like you said, it does matter and going out on the right note means so much and i'm curious to hear what you and the listeners rank as your favorite aussie closers and what ones you think they kind of fucked up on and probably should use something else yeah i mean we know one obviously but that's the only one for me off the top of my head that i could think of but we'll get into it so let's talk a little bit about the news i wanted to talk about ghosts new record we we hit on it last week i'm still loving it and listeners i hope you've given it a chance and listened to it because some of the best melody in a modern rock record in a long time but man it has been a smash it debuted at number two on the billboard 200 chart which is absolutely incredible higher than any solo ozzy chart success and he has sold seventy thousand album units in the u.s in the first week of release so hats off to tobias and congratulations it's great to to see a metal band be this popular and gain so much success, especially a modern one, because that's what we need to keep our genre of music that we love so much that we're all obsessed with going is these newer bands that can continue that legacy. And Ghost is one of those. You guys can hate on them all you want, but I was into Ghost with their very, very first release where it was incredibly fucking underground. You know, I was told, hey, this new band coming out has kind of got a merciful fate meets Blue Oyster Cult vibe. Really, really cool. I bought it on a whim. Nobody ever heard of them and i just think it's amazing to see the chart and the path that they've taken 
to really garner the success they've achieved. Oh, yeah. No question about it. You know, I just want to throw it out there because I am, like you, the Aussie nut. Yeah, it's charted higher than any Aussie album has. But at the same time, Ordinary Man did sell more copies at 77,000. Just want to throw that out there <laughs> for everybody. And the new release will top that. Right. We all can agree on that. But Hopefully. no, totally always great to see a metal band, you know, in the top 10 for the Billboard, especially top five. It's a rare feat these days. It's rare air, as they say. So definitely happy for me. It is, man. It's a fucking killer album. That song, Kerosene, just kicks all kinds of ass. <laughs> That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> it's a good record, man. And I'm excited for them and excited for what they're doing. We need more of this out there for sure. Hey, if I could break something down for you real quick. We just talked about it. It sold 70,000 units in its first week. Out of that 70,000, Josh, 62,500 were actual physical sales. And once again, it goes to prove metal people are still buying product, right? We're buying vinyl. We're buying CDs. I bought it on vinyl, no question. Ryan bought it on vinyl. We know the metal fans love to buy product still. So that means... 7,500 units were basically streaming. So 7,000 were considered streaming. 500 was TEA units, which I'm not quite sure what that means. But streaming units, 7,000. Let me tell you how many streams to get 7,000 albums actually is. Any guesses? I'm going to say 10,000 streams equals one album equivalent. Okay. So you're close. So they did 9.11 million streams to get (laughs) 7,000 album sales. Isn't that fucking crazy, man? And, you know, being that we have we both have music on the streaming services on Spotify and Apple or whatever, we can tell you the monetary payout is similar to that also. I think for every 1,000 listens, it's like six bucks. I don't, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll get like and a Spotify's little thing. Even less, I think Spotify's closer to $4. Fuck, I'll get like a little thing that says I had 25 listens yesterday and I get .002 cents or something exactly. like that. It's yeah. fucking awful. Think about that. So there's another point I'm going to make here, which is rap dominates these charts, right? And nobody's really buying rap records all these kids do is stream so for the band that hit the number one album for the week i think sold 120,000 units or some bullshit most of those were streaming so just think about how many fucking streams to get 120,000 units sold where ghost had 7,000 sales and streaming for 9.11 million on demand streams just think about that that's amazing yeah that's absolutely amazing and that's where and i know the listeners might not like this but this is when i argue that rock is kind of dying a little bit from that perspective. And I don't mean bands like Ghost are great. And of course, our Ozzy is amazing and super popular still. But you guys don't understand that rap and hip hop world really dominates with the younger generation, unlike ever. It's really insane. Yeah, that's an amazing stat, man. I mean, to get 127 thousand equivalent units in a genre that pretty much everyone's streaming, that's fucking nuts. I will say, though, in defense of metal, and I think country is the other genre that can claim this, physical sales go to the passionate fan, right? Like, we're passionate about Ozzy. When he releases his new album, we'll buy three and four copies each. We'll do the fucking picture yep. disc. We'll do the vinyl. We'll do the fucking CD. You and know what Japanese I mean? Version. Yep. And the Japanese version for the bonus track, and then we'll fucking stream and listen to it on streaming most of the time, right? Yeah. So, the metal fan fans are definitely one of the most, if not the most passionate fan base. But sadly enough, they don't listen on the streaming services like the kids do. That's amazing that those numbers are that astronomical, though. Like you said, to achieve 120,000 equivalent sales on streaming, I don't even want to fathom in my mind how many fucking streams that takes to do that. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. 
it's not crazy to think it'd be like in the billions, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's fucking nuts. God, that's fucking amazing. It's crazy. So when Ozzy releases his new album and he comes in at two or three, four in current day, like 2022, the streaming service is going to be the difference essentially because he's going to have the heavy presence also in the physical sales, no question about it. Yep. But the streaming is this, the difference, man. Like the old school listeners aren't streaming those things. And the physical sales carry more weight for sure than streaming does. I mean, there's no question about that. But unfortunately, it's hard to beat millions of fucking kids who just are glued to their phones all day long. There's no question about that. And here's the truth. We all know Ozzy is dying to get a number one solo record. Regardless, for some reason, it is very important to him. He achieved it with Sabbath with 13, which I was super excited about. So I think for Ozzy to do this, he's going to have to almost double what Ordinary Man did in physical copies. If it did 77,000 copies, probably 70,000 of it were actual sold copies. I think he's going to have to sell a good 120, 125,000 physical copies for him to get that number one record. Yeah. It just doesn't sound like relying on the streaming services for hard rock and metal is going to get it done. Yeah, agreed. That's crazy. Wow. That's amazing, Dan. Thanks for bringing that stat to the show. I'm sure listeners are interested in that because that is definitely eye-opening and uh, it's just the way of the world right now, right? But, you know, I admit it. I'll buy the physical copies to support my favorite bands, but I do still listen on streams. So yeah, me too. So it's just so much easier to have them on your phone right there at your beck and call anytime you want it. So, wow. It's amazing. So, in other news, we have heard a lot from Geezer Butler this week and uh, we've shared some of that in our social media and actually got a like on Twitter out of Miss Gloria Butler. We appreciate that, Gloria. Thank you yes. for at least chiming in on our social media account there and liking one of our posts about Geezer. But Geezer's made some news, man. Uh, he was at a Ronnie James Dio panel discussing a documentary called Dreamers Never Die. And definitely good to see Geezer, man. You know, he's for the most part, stays out of the public eye these days. I think I saw some photos of him at the Super Bowl when his fucking Rams beat my Bengals, but we'll talk about that off the air. And uh, it's always good to see Geezer when he's out, man. He's rocking some gray hair, Dan. What did you think? I love love the gray hair. I think it's about time the Sabbath guys embrace their age like that. Ozzy's doing it. Now we see Geezer doing it. It'll be a too long before Tony does it as well. But for me, you know, these guys are in their 70s. It just looks right and natural. Geezer looks distinguished. He looks amazing with his gray hair. I don't know why he didn't do it sooner. So hats off to Geezer for not dyeing his hair anymore. I think it looks awesome. How fucking menacing and creepy would Tony Iommi look with some gray hair going through oh, that shit? I right? think fucking oh, He'd still have the goat, you know, and the glasses and he would be fucking, he would be a scary looking motherfucker, but in a cool way. Well, we all know Tony is the coolest motherfucker on the planet, so that would just add to it, man. No fucking question. And Bill's rocked his gray for a long time, actually, yeah. right? Like, he shaved his head 20 fucking years ago, and it's been gray and shaved. So, I mean, it's, Bill's always the one that's like, fuck it. He don't give two shits about anything like that, <laughs> man. Awesome. Bill is, we don't talk about Bill enough on this show, but Bill is a classy guy, man. I just, I love everything about Bill. He's a fucking cool guy. Yeah, he and really is. He's always felt like, I say this a lot about Sammy Hagar for some reason. Like, there's people that... That I look at and I think they'd be cool to sit down and have a beer with. And I think of all of Black Sabbath, Bill's that guy. Like Ozzy would be fun, but like Bill would be the one that would just be chilled out and laid back and you could just fucking talk to him like you've known him your whole fucking life. Yeah, no question. Yeah, so Geezer was there talking about the new Dio documentary, which I'm excited to see, of course. You know, he was on the panel and, you know, one of the things he said, he was really happy that they had made up after the Dehumanizer tour and put everything back together to do the Heaven and Hell record, the band Heaven and Hell. It's great to see Geezer out there supporting Ronnie James Dio and anytime our Sabbath brethren are in the news or anything like that, it just, it's awesome. So I'm super excited to see this documentary about Dio. So listeners, I'm sure you're all Dio fans, just like Josh and I are. So check it out. It's coming soon. It's called Dreamers Never Die, documentary on Dio. Yeah, very cool. And also this week, Geezer was featured on a new track from Apocalyptica. Yes. And I 
kind of dug it, man. Frankie Perez, that Geezer was with in Daily and Ritual, does vocals on the track. And it's kind of a mellow, chilled out kind of tune where Geezer's just playing some smooth fucking lines. The song is called I'll Get Through It. And it's a cool fucking song, man. It's just kind of laid back. Uh, Apocalyptica, of course, is doing their thing with the strings and everything. And Frankie's an amazing singer. I really wish the Daily and Ritual thing didn't get defunct because I was kind of excited to see where they were going with that record. I know they have a bunch of stuff written, but uh, it looks like Geezer and Frankie Perez are still hanging out and doing something together. So, but always fun when Geezer drops in. Absolutely. The cool thing about this track, at least from a nerd like I am, the song is actually written by Diane Warren. How cool is it that Geezer's playing a track with Apocalyptica that's written by Diane Warren? If people don't know who Diane Warren is, she has written nine number one songs in her career. She's got 32 top 10 hits in her career. She is just a hit making machine. Songs like If I Could Turn Back Time with Cher, Because You Love Me, Celine Dion, and I Don't Want to Miss a Thing with Aerosmith. All Diane Warren songs. So it's just cool to see Geezer tackle something outside his box a little bit. I love it. I love him taking chances like that. Geezer's band Geezer was much heavier than Sabbath, actually. Explored some death metal stuff. So now we see him exploring a little bit more pop side of him, recording a song written by Diane Warren. Hats off. Great song, too. Yeah, absolutely. And Apocalyptica has always been a band that's kind of cool to listen to. They drop in every four or five years with something, with some guest vocalist on it. And it's always so interesting to see who they're working with. And everything's just always kind of different with them. So you just never know. But it's always fun to hear Geezer. And nobody can play the bass like Geezer. He's, he's so distinctable. His tone is clearly Geezer the minute you hear it. But yeah, totally fun. And the last thing is Geezer is also launching and getting part of the NFT world. He's doing a graphic novel with a company called Yellow Heart. So another Sabbath guy like Ozzy jumping into the NFT world. Josh and I talked a little bit about it before we came on air today. We don't know what the fuck is going on with NFTs. We'll have to leave it with Ryan because Ryan's definitely the hip one out of the three of us. So, but just good to see Geezer out there doing stuff he wants to do. Yeah. The same as when Ozzy released the NFT information. I have no fucking clue what that really is. I I, kind of know at this point a little, but like cool for Geezer. We're happy for him. We hope it goes well. I don't want one though. (laughs) I don't really know what they are. (laughs) I wonder if Ozzy and Geezer know what they are, but that's beside the point. I guarantee you Ozzy don't fucking understand. No, but I bet you Geezer does. (laughs) I'm sure Geezer's very intelligent. So, I'm sure yeah. Geezer actually really does know what's going on with them. But uh, to be very fair to Geezer, he's not one that throws his name around on shit all the time either. Like, he could have had a million base endorsements, and he didn't do a base endorsement literally until like a few years ago with Lakeland, right? So it's just Geezer's style. So yeah, Geezer always keeps himself on the up and up like that, and he's just always a professional. Him and Gloria run a tight ship there. A lot of people may not realize this, but Gloria Butler, his wife, she manages Geezer much like Sharon manages yep. Ozzy. And Gloria and Sharon are actually extremely close. They keep a, a tight ship for him, no question about it. Didn't Wendy Dio also manage Dio as well, right? That's correct. Yeah, Yeah. good call. For sure. So, Dan, before we get into this week's episode, last week's episode was the 40th anniversary in memoriam of Randy Rhodes. And I know that episode meant a whole lot to me. I know it meant a whole lot to you. I really enjoyed just sitting down and doing a little bit of a different type of episode and just talking with you about Randy Rhodes, man. How did you feel about the feedback on that one? It was amazing. It was a really emotional episode. I mean, when I really sit back here and think, Randy has been gone for 40 years. I mean, I don't even think I can comprehend that. And I know Ozzy has said that a lot this week, but it was amazing that we got to share that experience and share that with our fans and share that with the Randy fans. And Randy's family did a wonderful tribute. I wish we could have made it. I wish we could have broadcast live from there. That's something that we got to talk about doing together sometime. But Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that that we got to share that experience with our fans and the diehard Randy fans, it, it was very emotional for me. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we mentioned earlier, 
you were kind of name dropping that Gloria Butler, you know, liked our shit. You know, Kathy Rose reached out to us and appreciated the episode and kind of gave us her thoughts on the episode also. And you know, put some polka dot emojis up on her Instagram page, which is pretty fucking cool too. So it's nice when we do things about Randy and then Kathy reaches back out to us. I mean, how, how fucking cool is that? That's like dream come true shit for me and you, you know, it's still a pinch me moment that we got to, to speak to Kathy and Kelly. I mean, honestly, yeah. I sit there and just, I'm still speechless about it. Yeah, for sure. And that she's kept up with us afterwards, you know, and, and follows our Instagram and she does so fucking cool. But like you said, such an emotional episode and, you know, it truly came from our hearts and we hope that came through to the listeners. I believe it did. Like you said, 40 years has gone by in a flash. I'm only 42 years old, so it's all I've ever known. But again, it still feels like a flash. I mean, it's just hard to believe. And the legend of Randy continues to grow and it, the episode done really great numbers. And we appreciate all the listeners for listening to it, man, and checking it out on today's topic yeah i'm super excited we already kind of touched on it but we are going to be exploring and ranking all of ozzy's solo career album closers again we are going to exclude undercover undercover it's kind of its own beast we don't consider that really part of the classic ozzy canon because it's a covers record so we are only going to be looking at ozzy original album closers today i do want to throw in though as you said that undercover closes with sympathy for the devil which was the right song for that album that's easily the best song we could have closed that album with by the way just want to throw that out there real quick because that was the right track for that album yeah we will definitely do a deep dive someday on the album undercover and we're gonna go well into it dan and i both agree we want an all fucking beatles record that's the undercover we really want and i think it's the one ozzy wants also another subject for another day right yeah no question we will definitely hit up undercover sooner than later and really explore what the positives are and the negatives and we would definitely love an all beatles record that would be mind fucking blowing and just amazing because the strength of Undercover is clearly the Beatles and John Lennon tracks. No question. I don't think anyone would argue that. It's definitely where Ozzy's heart was with that record, and I do look forward to discussing it. But in the meantime, here we go. Ozzy's best album closers ranked. Dan, do you want to start us off first with Blizzard of Oz? Sure, absolutely. So from the classic Blizzard of Oz, the album ends with Steal Away the Night, written by Ozzy, Randy Rhodes, and Bob Daisley. So Steal Away the Night is one of those classic Blizzard songs that's very rock and roll in vibe. It's got a great tempo. One of the things that I absolutely love about it is actually Bob Daisley's bass lines. A lot of people love Bob for his lyrics, and I think he gets a lot of credit for his lyrics, as he should deserve it. But I still don't think enough is talked about about what a wonderful bass player Bob Daisley is. And if you really listen to his bass lines on Steal Away the Night, they are fucking amazing. He is doing licks and runs throughout that whole song that really, really play off Randy's guitar work beautifully. Another thing I love about it, too, is the high harmony that Ozzy does in the chorus. It's really high, really up there. Sounds amazing on it. This is just a fun rock tune. A really, really cool guitar solo by Randy. Love the vocal melodies. This one's always stuck in my head in the chorus, but definitely a rock and roll song. Definitely. I got to agree with everything you said. Bob's bass is almost the lead in the song in a weird way. Like He is fucking burning it up, man. I love Bob's playing in this song, maybe more than any song on the, the Blues of Oz album, because he just sounds so fucking good. One thing about this song also that makes it very strong as a closer, I love the lead-in from Revelation Mother Earth yeah. going into Still Away the Night. You know, they're almost like one track combined, right? And it just bleeds into that so perfectly, and it's just such a strong, powerful way to end the album, man. I fucking love it. And I love the sudden finish. We'll learn as we hear my list later on as I talk about these album closers as we do the episode. I like a hard finish. I'm not a big fan of fading out the final song on an album and still with the night builds up dun, 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 dun. love it fucking perfect yeah the outro of that song is really really killer that's a good call on them 
the fade in from Revelation and to steal away the night is awesome. Used to be a heavy favorite in the playlist early in Ozzy's career. It was played a lot all the way through the Bark at the Moon tour. So it's kind of a shame that it got taken out. And I don't think it's ever been back since 83 because they did play it on that tour. But I think this is one he could absolutely could have done continuously throughout his career. I think he could have easily sang this song. It's a great live song. The tempo is fantastic on it. That opening riff by Randy is fucking killer. And we talked about that one a little bit last week, how, (laughs) you know, it was a lick he used to teach in guitar class. Right, Josh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such a great lick. And the other part was in Breaking Up is a Heartache, right? Right. We talked about that last week. And, and, you know, Eddie Van Halen tried to accuse Randy of nicking this lick a little bit from Van Halen 1, but I don't really hear the comparisons there. That Still with the Night is fucking its own thing, man. It's a great fucking song. A lot of energy to close an album that has a lot of energy. So I love it. It's the perfect way to go out of Blizzard of Oz. Yeah, if anything got nicked, Priest nicked that part in Steal Away the Night after the solo for Electric Eye. That B to A part is definitely right in Electric Eye. Yeah, and that's the Breaking Up Saharic part we're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. We don't use uh, snippets on this show. We've had debates about using snippets from the actual songs on the show. We kind of don't know where we stand on that. So in the meantime, I just hum it to you guys. hope you don't yep. mind. That's why I don't use did. the snippets when I'm editing, because... <laughs> <laughs> I I don't want to replace Josh's humming. It, it's one of my fucking, favorite things in the fucking world. Yeah, it's the best part of the show, man. That's why I swear everyone loves me more than you, Dan. This it comes back to that. Pretty soon, I'm going to put it up on FanDuel. We're going to have our fans place bets on what track is Josh going to hum to this week. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All, All right. right. So up next, that brings us to the Diary of a Madman album, which closes with, of course, the infamous Diary of a Madman, written by Ozzy Osbourne, Randy Rhodes, Bob Daisley, and Lee Kerslake. It's no secret to anyone that listen to the show that me and Dan fucking love the song Diary of a Madman. It's everything you want in a fucking heavy metal song. It's epic as fuck. The ending has the London Chamber Choir on there fucking just singing their fucking balls off. You have the orchestration. It is the perfect fucking hard rock song. On top of that, it's a perfect fucking closure. It's such a great song. I love going out on the highs of that choir, just fucking belting it out. It's so fucking heavy, so menacing, so powerful. It's fucking perfect. Dan, can you add to that? Listen, from the opening classically influenced intro, this song is 100% perfection. There is nothing I would ever change about this song. It is an epic. It is everything from the melodies to the songwriting, to the strings, to the orchestration, to the timing, to the lyrics. Everything is fucking perfection. I don't know if a song moves me as much as Diary of a Madman. As we've talked about, this is mine and Josh's favorite song of all time by anybody. This is it. Diary of a Madman is my apex. It does not get any better. Ozzy sounds possessed in the song. The ending choir that Bob and Ozzy wow. came up with together, it's just so fucking good. It so gives good. me chills. Josh, yes. give me a hum. Come on, give me a hum. <laughs> 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 I mean, I know the choir is following Randy's guitar part, but fuck, just from that classic intro, which I've played a thousand times in my life, like, right. I don't know if there is a part on the guitar I've played more than the intro to Diary of a Madman. I mean, that's it's it. It's so you fucking pick, great, man. You pick up the guitar, you go right into Diary. Absolutely. But, it's so fucking great. And using it as the concert opener, you know, going yeah. from that outro into the fucking Over the Mountain riff with Tommy Aldridge doing the drums oh, so on good. the live show. So fucking perfect. I mean, it's just so fucking perfect. And it sounds like a true piece of classical music from 
from the it fucking does. 1800s or something, right? Or 17, I don't know, fucking long ago, a long time ago. But yeah, it's modern hard rock music constructed and built and orchestrated by a bunch of fucking rock and rollers. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's fucking unreal. And there's no doubt that's the vein and the direction Randy Rhodes wanted to go in in his life's journey of playing music. No question about it. It's fucking perfect. But once Randy finishes that classical intro and then we go into the fucking metal part, you know, that we were just humming. It's such a great shift in dynamic. And then once we come out of that into, you know, the screaming at the window part, Nazi's melodies there, sounding eerie as fuck. And I love the guitar part Randy wrote behind that too. It's so different and so unique. But the highlight of the song for me, it's my favorite part of any song of all time, is the bridge. When Randy breaks it down, he's doing that picking part. Nazi comes in with a sick and minded spirit. The mirror tells me lies. I get goosebumps every single time I fucking hear it. Right. And the <laughs> But just let me read this real quick. A sick and minded spirit, the mirror tells me lies. Could I mistake myself for someone who lives behind my eyes? Will he escape my soul or will he live in me? Is he trying to get out or trying to enter me? That is fucking perfection by Bob Daisley. Bob, hats off. I literally have goosebumps right now just reading that. Right. I don't know if there's a lyric that is more relatable for me. And more perfect for Ozzy Osbourne, right? Yeah. Like that's the perfect fucking Ozzy Osbourne lyric. We're already giving away our list, but the word perfection cannot be used enough. I'm like, damn, there's not one fucking moment of the song Diary of a Madman that I would change or that I would ever just fucking do something different or ever fucking suggest this or that. It's fucking every note of the song from Randy, from Bob, from Lee, from Ozzy, from the yeah. London Chamber Choir. Everybody is just fucking perfection. I know Randy was very disappointed that the orchestration was kind of buried in the mix on in the initial releases. And through some of the remasters, they have brought it out a little more. I would definitely like to hear a version with that really turned up to still yet a little bit more but at this point you really can't fuck with a classic song like that and change it so i get that also yeah do not change you, anything because i'm sure that randy was very ecstatic about having a fucking orchestra on one of his albums right i mean it's his life's dream is to do classical music like that so have orchestration on the record had to be just blowing his damn mind but what a fucking great song and i'm proud to say i got to see ozzy do it live at OzFest. He only played it live like six or seven fucking times in his career of 50 plus years. And I was able to make one of those. So that was one of the fucking most epic moments ever. OzFest 2000, Columbus, Ohio. Fuck you. <laughs> you saw Ozzy <laughs> with Jakey Lee, motherfucker. It's, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but you got me there. To, see, to see Diary live, my God, that would be amazing. Yeah. And the stage for OzFest <laughs> 2000 was fucking badass. It was the fucking little Nikki stage with yeah. fucking hell and the fire and everything. So it fucking was classic, man. At least there was something good that came out of Little Nikki. Yeah. Was, oh, I love that movie. You don't like <laughs> oh, Little Nikki? It's god awful. It's fucking Dude, terrible. I love Little Nikki. Oh, fuck. It is awful. Terrible. Listeners, let us know. Do you like Little Nikki? And there's like no. a million killer Ozzy references in there. Ozzy's I, in the fucking movie. I know. It doesn't mean it doesn't make Ozzy's in the new Youngblood video. I don't like his parents in that very well either. It, it's just terrible. Oh, I don't like Ozzy, it. Did you not put together the whole point of the fucking movie? Ozzy saved the world, man. Yeah. It's, I bite the head off a bat. Adam Sandler, oh. though, sometimes just doesn't. Sometimes he's brilliant and sometimes awful. Like, Dan, awful. Dan was too old for the fucking Adam Sandler humor. Dan is more of a Chevy Chase. Yes. Uh, there you go. Chevy Chase that, is way better. Yeah. Bill Murray. The, the guys before Adam Sandler. My generation was more Adam Sandler. Chris Farley. I love Chris Farley. Yeah. He's same generation. <laughs> By the way, I do love Chevy Chase, man. Goddamn, yeah. he's funny as shit. This is. <laughs> 
<laughs> but anyway, I so can't the, believe you don't like Little Nicky. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm distracted now. Yeah. What the shit? So the last thing I do want to say about that, the orchestration was composed by Lewis Clark, and the keyboards on this track were actually done by Johnny Cook, who is uncredited. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. All right, so up next, we have the Bark at the Moon record, and we are going to be talking about the very underrated Waiting for Darkness. Whew, where do I begin about this song? I've been on a campaign for the last 30 years <laughs> that this should be considered, along with Diary, along with Mr. Crowley, one of Ozzy's most complete and classic songs. From the lyrics to the mood, Jake Lee's guitar solo, Bob's bass playing, but Ozzy's vocal performance is just untouchable here. He hits notes in the song that are just beautiful. It's creepy. It gives you chills listening to it. It's got an awesome outro that whole middle section sounds like it comes right from a fucking horror movie where when jake is playing his solo um this one is written by ozzy osbourne with bob and jake of course every time we talk about bark of the moon we have to throw that in there that ozzy was not really writing this whole track by himself but hats off to jake and bob on this one because to me this one sounds like it could be on diary of a madman it's got that eerie creepy feeling it fits bark at the moon perfectly we have not really talked about bark as much as i would like to yet because i love this fucking record but waiting for darkness an all-time classic some amazing lyrics again i'm not quite sure what it's about some people think it's about vampires i think it's about maybe someone going crazy i did read an article with bob basically saying that it's really about organized religion that if what's going on in christianity with pedophilia and all that other stuff is the light then he's gonna wait for darkness Hmm. interesting i'm not one that overthinks things i thought it was literally about fucking waiting for darkness (laughs) like (laughs) like like bark at the moon is the fucking werewolf right like it's waiting for darkness i don't know and this never really broke down the lyrics i'm not a guy who really breaks down lyrics a lot i never have been i love melody which is obviously why i'm such a massive aussie fan right but to actually listen word for word and try to break down what a song's about, it's not something I've ever been really all about because usually you end up getting let down by it anyway. Is it being something fucking stupid? Yeah, melody but, first, always for me. If I could just interject real quick, melody first, always. Lyrics are probably fourth or fifth of importance. It just depends on the artist. If I'm listening to Lennon or Geezer, those are my two favorite people that have, are lyric composers or lyricists, then then I'm a little bit more about lyrics. Yeah, but that said, this is the title itself, which Ozzy's big on, he comes up with the titles, right? And then from there, Bob and Geezer often finish the lyrics out about whatever topic Ozzy comes up with. Waiting for Darkness is a cool fucking album title. Again, one that Dan and I bond over. I fucking love this song also. Jakey Lee's fucking riff. That is bad to the bone and fucking that is what i love i I got chill bumps i fucking love this song man it is so fucking good and ozzy i love you man i love you but when you come out before the fucking no more tours tour two and said we're probably gonna do waiting for darkness we've been working up that one we got so fucking excited and then you didn't play it we were so excited man you and i went i know it's crazy. Yeah, we were so excited for that. And I was at opening night, and Dan's like, text me, did he play Waiting for Darkness? Did he play Waiting for Darkness? I'm like, fuck, no. Yeah. Typical Dan set. <laughs> same old shit he played. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to change the world again. Yeah. Oh, I was so excited for that. But no, I'm with you, man. And a great album closer. There's not a song on Bark of the Moon that would have been better to close this album with than Waiting for Darkness. It's got the perfect fucking mood, the perfect ending. Oh, yeah, so cool. Like I said oh. earlier, I like hard stops. Yeah. And when that fucking thing ends, I got chill bumps. 
There they are. There's Chili Willies. Yep. When that song ends, man, you're like, that's it right there. That's fucking perfect. And the needle slides off the record, right? Like, that's it. But no, I fucking love Waiting for Darkness. Again, Ozzy's, like you said, his fucking performance in this song is top notch. It really is. And if I could just chime in real quick, one thing I didn't say, I rip on Ozzy sometimes for having weak choruses. And they're out there. They're, They're sporadic through his career where he gets a little lazy on the chorus. This is one of his best. I know what they'll find. It's in their mind. It's what they want to see. Spare me from the light. Here comes the night. And here I'll stay waiting for darkness. Fuck me. That part. Come on, man. You, you got to sing it with the melody. Come on. Come uh, on, man. Gotta I hear with the melody. Come on. How the melody, great. The melody is what drives it. Come on, I man. know. How great is that fucking chorus? It's so I, I know good. what they'll find. It's, oh, it's yeah. so fucking it's good. It's so good. Man. It's top notch. I know you're all big Aussie fans out there, but if you're not obsessing over waiting for darkness, this is going to be my next obsession. Josh and I came out here and we're like, we were going to make people fucking love Osmosis. It is such a great record, and it's what really what bonded us. But I'm going to be on a new mission, man. It's Waiting for Darkness is one of the ultimate Aussie songs forever. God, I waited all fucking night for that song, man. Waited all fucking night. I thought for him to say this publicly, he's going to fucking play it. And nothing. <laughs> no, I don't no. want to change the world again. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway. That brings us to The Ultimate Sin, which closes with one of Ozzy's biggest chart-topping hits of all time, Shot in the Dark, written by Mr. Ozzy Osbourne and Phil Susanne. What can we say about Shot in the Dark that everyone doesn't already know? It's one of Ozzy's biggest fucking hits. It's a fucking gargantuan in the Ozzy catalog. I will say, in his current life set, it's my favorite song he does. I like hearing him do this one still to this day. Again, great performance by Jakey Lee. The bass lick that opens up is so fucking catchy, but I gotta tell you, man, I don't really like it as a closer. Again, it has a fade-out. I'm not a big fan of the fade-out. And it's the fucking lead single the lead single typically is near the front of the record track two track three i would have put this one at track three and i would have closed the record with killer of giants and followed the vein of diary of a madman waiting for darkness killer of giants of having the fucking epic close the record killer of giants would have been a stellar fucking way to go out in this record yeah that's a good call killer of giants is such a great song but we're here to talk about shot in the dark obviously we've talked about it before on here originally written by phil sasan for uh, a band called wildlife he took it to Ozzy. Ozzy thought it was a great song, but wanted him to rework it lyrically. And Ozzy changed the melodies for mainly the verses. The chorus is kind of similar. Way better by Ozzy. I mean, you could easily find the original version out there, but Ozzy's version crushes it. I think Jake's guitar solo is epic. And I think Jake really puts his stamp on the song since he didn't compose it. And hats off to Jake for really, really, I think, elevating the song to another level. I do like the tempo on it. I love that bass intro by Phil. So fucking cool. And I don't even know Jake is doing those fucking bend nuts things that he does on yeah, the guitar. That's harmonics. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Those harmonics, but he's bending the nut on it. I think. Yeah. Um, overall, not a great closer. I do think it's a solid song. And I've told this story before when I first heard the ultimate sin album back in 86, nothing is more exciting to me than the day Ozzy releases a new record, especially back in the day. Cause nothing was leaked right back then. It was, I got the album, I put it on the turntable and it was like, it's, it's like a heavenly experience. I can't really begin to tell you what it's like for Josh and I to listen to a new Ozzy record. Record for the first and time. hopefully we experience it again here soon with the new yeah. record coming out. And then with the lead single, you expect it to be the best song. Yeah, exactly. I will say part of me, I'm going to go off on a tangent here for a second, doesn't want to hear anything from the new Ozzy record so I can experience it in, you know, that full, holy shit, this is the new Ozzy record, but I just don't have it in me not to. (laughs) I just can't. Me and Josh will be obsessing over every second of it. And once something's released, we're going to have to talk about it. 
but oh yeah i live my life with the fear of what if i ain't here tomorrow and i yeah. think about that shit so like if i have you know a leaked version of a track or if i have the single i'm fucking listening because i might not fucking be here tomorrow and i want to fucking hear the ozzy album before i die so ladies and gentlemen you've heard it here first on diary of the madman the ultimate ozzy osborne podcast josh lives by the garth brooks song if tomorrow never comes 100 <laughs> percent. hey we snagged fucking ordinary man a few days early and we jammed the fuck out of it we did for sure <laughs> we've told that story and i was crying like a bitch at the gym all right yeah. so the first time i heard shot in the dark i just remember specifically going god i love the record but that last song just does not sound like an aussie song and i'll state that a thousand times on the show but to me it really doesn't sound like an aussie song you could just tell it was more of a pop oriented track and i thought it was very very strange to a that it was even on the record b that it was the first single and c that it fucking ends the record so i kind of agree with you not a great ending here yeah, it's great song though. I mean, I've come to love it. Yeah, I love the song. I mean, there's no question. This, you know, like I said, it's a gargantuan Nazi's catalog. But this, I don't understand the placement of putting it last. I don't understand that part. But it is what it is. Where it's at, it's fine. Yeah, man, fucking shot in the dark is shot in the dark is fucking great. Up next is an album we have barely scratched the surface on. It's one we've talked about recently about doing a deep dive into because we love this record and we, you know, we're just kind of waiting for the right moment. But up next is No Rest for the Wicked, Zach Wilde's first album with Ozzy. The song that ends this album is Demon Alcohol. Hero ends as a bonus track as like a secret track. So it's not on the vinyl when I bought it back in 88. It was on the cassette tape, but it was definitely a bonus track. It was not listed on anything. You know, that was kind of starting that little movement there. Yeah. So we went with Demon Alcohol because to us, that is the actual closer. You got to go by the vinyl. The vinyl had eight tracks on it. It ends with Demon Alcohol. So we're going with Demon Alcohol, which I think is fucking slamming. I would have to say right next to Waiting for Darkness, this is the other Ozzy track that I shout from the rooftops as being fucking wonderful. First of all, that guitar riff by Zach is fucking ungodly. It's fucking amazing. How did it sound? Yes, we fucking got one. (laughs) Yes, there we go. It is amazing. And I think I'm going to make a bold statement here. Maybe one of the last Ozzy records that was more riff centric. Once No More Tears comes out, there are riffs on there, but something changes. The album No More Tears is what I'm talking about. It becomes more song oriented, where the early stuff, the first five records, all the stuff in the 80s was more riff oriented. 100%. And Demon Alcohol clearly is one of those great riffs. I'll tell you, there's so much I love about this song. This is written by Ozzy, Zach, Bob Daisley, Randy Castillo. So the lyrics by Bob are personification, which means the song is written from the perspective of the alcohol. He's giving an inanimate object feelings, which is what personification is. And I just love that about the song. He just definitely gives it such a cool vibe of the alcohol talking to Ozzy that he can't quit him. Right? What a cool fucking a, concept. I was going to say, what a fucking killer idea. It's just so thoughtful and creative, man. Just to fucking do that. I'll get you. Right? It's so fucking cool. Like, you can fight me all you want, motherfucker, but you will come back to me. And Ozzy, sure enough, would always come back to it. Oh, right? absolutely. I mean, no question. Yeah, what a fucking great song, dude. There's one part in the song that I love. Again, Ozzy's vocal melody is fucking on fire. He is hitting great notes. He sounds like a god on this track. 
But the ending of the song, when he's doing the chorus, and in the background, if you listen closely, they're doing these Beatlesque ahs. Ah, they're sliding. Just next time you listen to the song, listen to the ending, and they are so fucking perfect. They really enhance the song. And a really, really cool, unique guitar solo from Zach. It is not mindless shredding. It is actually a very, very cool composition on the guitar solo. So hats off, Demon Alcohol, fucking fantastic. There's not a whole lot more I can add to that. Zach Wilde on the entire No Rest for the Wicked album is fucking amazing. It's Zach's peak album with Ozzy Osbourne, I believe, for his playing. His fucking solos on that entire record are just fucking through the roof. Demon Alcohol, no exception. As far as it being an album closer, I'm cool with Demon Alcohol, but the whole album of No Rest for the Wicked is all just up-tempo fucking just pushing it, right? Fire in the Sky slows down a little bit, but they're all fucking just pushing, pushing, pushing. So really, there's so many songs on this album that I think could have closed it, but I'm perfectly cool with Demon Alcohol closing the album. Again, like you said, great. great. Yeah, it's it's got the hard stop, great fucking melodies, just fucking heavy driven fucking song. You said this earlier, you can either close on a ballad or you can close with something fucking heavy. And Demon Alcohol is the perfect fucking reminder that I will get you and I'll be back. And I fucking love it as a closure, man. I love it as a song. It's such a fucking great song. Like you said, sung from the perspective of the alcohol. It's just such a cool fucking idea. I just love this song. I love this fucking record. And as much as we harp on osmosis, we feel the exact same way about No Rest for the Wicked. Yeah, we sure do. You know, I've met Zach a few times. And the last time I met him, I had him sign my No Rest for the Wicked album because I have that much respect for that fucking album. You know, and it's just his playing on this whole entire record is just through the fucking roof. It is the best version of Zach Wilde that there's ever been guitar-wise. I totally agree. Absolutely. It is a shame this one was barely played live, maybe once or twice, and it should have stayed in the set. For sure. And like you said, a very riff-driven song and album. Like you mentioned earlier, he kind of got away from that. I like to hear Zach in a more riff-driven session with Ozzy, you know, writing some of these songs going forward. But like you said, it became more about the song than the actual riff itself. But Demon Alcohol is fucking stellar. All right, that brings us to... The No More Tears album, which closes with the epic Road to Nowhere, one of Ozzy's most powerful ballads and well-known songs, right? Written by Ozzy Osbourne, Zach Wilde, and Randy Castillo. You know, one thing, you know, Randy co-wrote Demon Alcohol also. You mentioned that. Randy had a lot of songwriting credits for a drummer. You don't see that a whole lot yeah. in hard rock and heavy metal. Randy definitely was always involved. Definite band jam atmosphere going on between No Rest for the Wicked, No More Tears, with Ozzy, Randy, and Zach jamming all these songs and fleshing them out together. So it's kind of fun little tidbit there. What's there to say, man? Road to Nowhere is one of Ozzy's biggest tracks. We've talked about this track for like three episodes in a row now or something. So Insane. Right? But it just keeps coming up. I don't know. I still don't think I fucking pick it over whatever their song it was before that I talked about. But whatever. Anyway, that's beside the point. But no, Road to Nowhere, man. It's a good way to close the album. I don't know that it's the best track to close No More Tears, but it's definitely one of my favorite Ozzy songs. When I look over the No More Tears song listing, there's not really another song I'd rather hear there. So I guess it kind of is the best one to close the album with. It's a, it's a fine closure. Nowhere leads to me, and that's kind of it, right? But I do fucking love this song, and there's so many great things. Of course, Ozzy's self-reflective lyrics about his own demons and struggles with lack of confidence and and you know self-awareness and stuff. And you know we've spoke so much about this song, there's a whole lot more we can add to it. But it is a great fucking song, and it is fine as the closure for an extremely epic Ozzy Osbourne record No More Tears an album which is very slick in production in general and it closes with a slick production in Road to Nowhere yeah that's a great point so I, I always go back to when I listen to these albums for the first time so I remember standing I bought it at the midnight sale because back in the day I think you could still do this records were released on Tuesdays not Fridays when this came out so Monday night at midnight I was standing in line at our local record store down here in Phoenix called Zia Records came out the same day as Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 which I did not buy because I didn't want to compete with Ozzy. I bought him the following week. 
But I bought No More Tears, came home. It's an hour-long record, so it's real long. And I just remember being blown away by No More Tears the first time I heard it. You nailed it. The production is incredibly slick. I think Road to Nowhere is a fucking tremendous closer. It's the first time he kind of closes on a ballad moment. But that outro, to me, is such a high point on the record. And it feels like an ending to me. Like, it's hard for me to explain, but to me, it's like a climax. Like, Ozzy really climaxes at the end of Road to Nowhere. Now, it sounds really funny when I say this, but I just think he sounds awesome at the end with that little outro. He's really singing from the heart. He sounds very vulnerable, which matches the lyrics beautifully. And I just think Road to Nowhere is a finale. Like, it ends, and I'm like, fuck. That's like an epic show closer. So I actually think that Road to Nowhere does close the record well, and I can't see anything on this record that would be a better choice, to be honest, Josh. Like I said, there's no other track I can find either that I would prefer, but I have to admit, Dan, as you're telling the story there, you're bringing me around to what actually been a real good closer, because as you're telling the reasons you believe it's a good closer, I'm hearing it in my head, and Zach's shredding that solo. He's starting yeah. to play faster and faster and faster, right? It starts off with the slower. Yes. As it's closing, he's actually building it up, and Ozzy's powering through those fucking you got you got to lead to me and it's just kind of yeah. going and going and going on the road to nowhere and zach's playing faster and faster i never thought about it till you said what you were saying a second ago not that it sounds like it but like almost like Freebird, where you know it has the big it's a slow song but then it has this big fucking band jam at the end right like road to nowhere doesn't go for six fucking minutes or 60 fucking minutes or whatever Freebird is but it does start to actually jam a little more than the rest of the song did, right? Like he's like Zach's starting to shred. It's not just the beautiful melodic licks that he's playing throughout the majority of the song. He's actually starting to burn the guitar up a little bit. So, yeah, you're kind of you're turning me on to it because it definitely builds up to a crescendo of the ending of the final note, right? Yeah, it's going exactly. faster and faster and building yep. up to that final note, dun, dun, and that just holds out. So, yeah, you talked me into that, man. Road to Nowhere's a solid closer, and of course, it's a fucking great song. We all know that. It goes without saying. All right, so up next, we have the Osmosis record. This is a song we also talked about for three shows in a row, and the new nickname for it is The Greatest Song of All Time, said by Dan Drago, is the amazing Old L.A. Tonight, and that is written by Ozzy, Zach Wilde, and John Purdell. And what can I say about Old L.A. Tonight that I haven't said in the last two shows? I love this fucking song. It is so Beatlesque. It's a great closer. You know, it ends on a somber note, but somber fits Osmosis. You know, Osmosis has that wonderful balance of I'm going to rip your fucking head off with heaviness. And there's a lot of somber, self-reflective moments on Osmosis, which is why we love it so much. And I think Old LA Tonight, it just ends perfectly. It's like you're through the fucking battle and you've listened to this epic of all epics and you're now kind of coming down a little bit. And it's it's the aftermath, right? And that's what Old LA Tonight is. We've talked about it over and over. That chorus is fucking unbelievable where he overlaps his voice. And eventually we're going to do the top vocal performances of Ozzy's solo career. And I guarantee you this will be on my list. Ozzy just sounds unbelievable on this track. I still think it's one of the most underrated tracks of Ozzy's career. But Old LA Tonight, amazing closer, great guitar playing, great piano playing. This one is an epic. I mean, what else is there to say? We, Like you said, we've talked about it three weeks in a row, but we do fucking love this song. When I look at the album closers, I do look at, I've mentioned it for every track so far. How do I like it as closing the record? Old LA Tonight is solid as fuck. It's going to be all right. I love that. It fucking, again, builds to a crescendo, then to that final note, just like Road to Nowhere did. Old LA Tonight is a fucking amazing ballad. It's 
like you said earlier, Ozzy sings so fucking beautifully throughout the whole song, but especially on the chorus. Zach's fucking bluesy guitar licks. I fucking love it. I love piano. I'm a new piano player myself. I've always loved piano. I think it's the most beautiful instrument on earth. I love to hear people play the piano. And it's beautiful, man. It's just a great fucking song. And it's the right song to close this album with. There's no other song on Osmosis I would want to hear close this record than Old LA Tonight. Agreed. All right. Yeah, there's not a whole lot more we can say about Old LA Tonight that we haven't already. You all know we love it. We know you love it. Great fucking song. So that brings us to the Down to Earth album, which ends with Can You Hear Them? With a question mark. Written by Ozzy Osbourne, Marty Fredrickson, Joe Holmes, and Robert Trujillo, who is now, of course, with Metallica. For one, I've always been so interested in that songwriting group. I would love to hear more from Ozzy, Marty Fredrickson, Joe Holmes, and Robert Trujillo. I think we all can agree on that, right? No question. I mean, I fucking love it. But man, I have always said from the very first time I heard this album, Can You Hear Them is the perfect song to close this fucking record. If Can You Hear Them was track four... I wouldn't like it near as much as I do the final track. I just love where it's at on the record and where it's placed for me makes it a better song because those fucking pounding drums from Mike Borden, the guy who hasn't had enough love for us in this podcast just yet. Those fucking tribal drums that fucking open it. Amazing. Again, great melodies. Can you hear them? All the voices in my head freak me out fucking love closing like that man they freak me out i mean what a fucking perfect way to close an ozzy osbourne album than that fucking line lyrics again marty Fredrickson had a heavy hand i'm sure in writing the lyrics but when i hear can you hear them that's got ozzy osbourne written fucking all over it i think ozzy had a big part in writing the lyrics for this song or at the very least getting it started because he always wants to talk about the voices in his head his voices probably help him write songs like this <laughs> but i fucking love this song man it's cool to hear joe holmes you know even though it was zach on the re- recording you know, it's cool to hear Joe's licks on the entire Down to Earth album, but especially on this song. Da, 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 it sounds like you're doing the Jeopardy theme. He's oh yeah. <laughs> da, da. Maybe Joe ripped it off Jeopardy. Who knows? Like, hey, listen, I got a song called Skyline Theory in my band that I fucking took straight from Night Rider. Fuck them. All right. That's on one of my albums, hundred percent. We actually joked about putting the Night Rider fucking like at the beginning of it. And, and doing that at the end of the song for like five seconds or something, but I ended up not doing it. But anyway, I fucking love Can You Hear Them, man. It's fucking, I think it's Mike Borden's standout moment of the album, and it's the perfect place for it to be to close the album with. All right, so this is an album we've not talked about a lot. Josh and I do really love this record. We're trying to really set something special up, just so you listeners know when we first talk about this record, because I'd like to do something special before we do the deep dive into it, but... Keep your fingers crossed. We're really close to getting that done. Can, can we just go ahead and say it? What's the big deal? He's, he's give us a definite. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We are in the process of getting the producer, Tim Palmer, on our show. We are super fucking excited about it because if there's one guy I want more than maybe anybody outside, of course, you know, Zach's and the Aussies and the Tonys is Tim Palmer because there's 100%. so much mystery behind Down to Earth. I'm just dying to learn about from songs that were recorded that didn't make the record. Some of the ideas behind the songs. Is there a, you know, part two, there's just down to earth is so fucking special and we're dying to get Tim on the show. So keep your fingers crossed. It's going to happen sooner than later. For sure. Yeah. There's so many songs written for this session. There's so much that Dan and I we've discussed from the moment we started this podcast that he's the kind of guest we really want some behind the scenes guy who can really tell us stuff that the band never talks about. And Tim, to be fair, since literally our second or third episode has promised us he's going to come on and he's very friendly, but he's always like, guys, I promise you this will happen. And he still tells me that 
to this day. So he, he does reach out to us and he's definitely involved with us. He's just trying to find time. Tim Palmer recently, let's give him a shout out since we brought him up. He actually mixed the latest Tears for Fears record and it debuted at number one on the billboard. So kudos to Tim Palmer on that from me yes. and Dan. You're happy for you. Awesome. So Tim's still out there kicking all kinds of ass. He's very busy. He has told us for months that he promises he will be on the show. So that's something for you listeners to look forward to as much as Dan and I are. We're so excited. But so anyway, back to Dan. Back to Can You Hear Them? So I think Can You Hear Them is a really fucking great song. It starts off with that awesome tribal drum beat by Mike Borden, who's with Ozzy for a long fucking time. So it's great to see him on his first record with Ozzy. Very, very underrated. I've been a fan of him since he was with Faith No More. I think he's a great drummer. Super tight. I thought he was a perfect fit for Ozzy. And he's not a metal drummer, which is I kind of liked about it because he plays more unique part. I think Mike Borden's awesome. So the beginning of it, to me, has a almost a Marilyn Manson vibe to it, right? Those tribal drums, it sounds very late 90s, early 2000s to me. Yeah, good call, man. And then the guitars come in, and then I'm transferred right back to Bark at the Moon. For some reason, this song has a real big Bark at the Moon vibe to me, and I love it. You think it's those guitar octaves? I do. It's exactly what it is, the guitar octaves. Absolutely. And it's kind of haunting. Bark of the Moon is a very haunted album. This song is very eerie and very haunting. So you got those guitar octaves, which I love to play as well, very influential to me as a player. Joe Holmes is doing a wonderful job with his songwriting here. And even the theme, Can You Hear Them? That's very Bark of the Moon, I think. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. So listen to some of these lyrics that Marty came up with with Ozzy. So sick and tired of living and so afraid to die. I've lived so many lives. And still, I wonder why. God dang, that's such a great, great lyric, man. I love the vocal melody from Ozzy here, especially in the verses. I think the pre-chorus is really cool. If I have one small complaint, I actually think the chorus is a little weaker than the verses in the pre-chorus, but still a great, great fucking song. But the highlight is clearly the bridge. One of the best things about Down to Earth throughout the whole record is Ozzy just smashes the bridges out of the park. And the bridge on Can You Hear Them could be maybe the best on the record. I just fucking love it. It's all real heavy, tribally. comes out of the chorus, and then boom, it all stops with that clean guitar. And Mm -hmm. it's such a great dramatic change and shift. And Ozzy comes in with that, I never thought I'd smile again. Always thought I'd be here on my own. Sometimes when I'm down, you come and save me again and again and again. And it's so fucking eerie, man. I I love love it. it. It's gorgeous. And another lyric I love, too. Is this one maybe one of my favorite Aussie lyrics ever? And this is gonna shock you, but I love this lyric. I spent a thousand years one night in my room. Yes, I I fucking love that lyric. I do too, man. Yeah, and I just think it's so poetic, and oh, I just think it's so killer. What an underrated track. This one's a heavy song. We know we love Osmosis, and it's really hard for Ozzy to follow that album up for me personally. But Down to Earth does not get nearly the love it deserves. And Can You Hear Them is a very strong track. And that's even coming from Dan, who I kind of had to talk up Down to Earth to when we first started talking about Ozzy. It's true. It took, you, it took you a minute even to really come around to realize what a good fucking record. Dude, you're making me want to go listen to Can You Hear Them like right now. Like this, <laughs> of, of all this conversation, this is the one right now that I'm going, yes, yes. It's so good. Yeah, that line where he says, like you said a minute ago, I've spent a thousand years one night in my room. I've lived so many lives and that is my doom. Like, so fucking good, man. It's just such a catchy fucking line and just such a cool fucking line. I love it, man. I fucking love this song. And of all of our conversation, this is the one I think I'm going to go listen to when the fucking episode's over. <laughs> there we go. It'll be on a lot tomorrow. That's for shit, sure. <laughs> but like we said earlier, the perfect song to close the album with. No question. Absolutely. Up next is Ozzy's 10th album, Black Rain. 
This album ends with the track Trap Door. And this one is actually written by just Ozzy and Kevin Churko. It does not have Zach Wilde as a songwriter on it. Now, Zach wrote most of Black Rain. There are two songs he did not help write, and that is The Almighty Dollar and Trap Door. Trap Door also features Michael Borden on drums, and I think it also has a killer drum lick. Trap Door is a fairly good song. It's also very different for Ozzy. When I first heard this record, I thought, you know, this one sounds very modern to me. Lyrically, it doesn't move me like Can You Hear Them, but it's got some really cool parts. Ozzy sounds very aggressive vocally on this, which I do like. You know, when he's singing that, you know, through the trap door, you know, he's kind of like maybe the first time Ozzy gives us that real modern scream that he likes to do, no pun intended, that came up on a couple of his later records. I do like one thing a lot about this track, and that is the structure. Starts out very basic. We got verse, we got chorus, first chorus, and then it's got like a bridge, and then it got like another bridge. It's really, really cool how much changes this song really, really changes into. And I think that is one of its strengths. Black Rain and Scream are both solid records. We're going to get into them more sooner than you think. But Trapdoor, maybe not one of the stronger songs off of Black Rain and just an okay closer. Here's the moment where I may surprise some people because I don't know if I've ever really said this before on the show. I just don't like the song that much. Trapdoor has always been for me easily the worst song of the Black Rain sessions. Even from the start, then I try to make myself like it more. I don't hate it. Of course, you know, we all love all these songs. But Trapdoor for me just never was that fucking good. I don't know why. I do like the the middle section with the breakdown and, you know, like you said, the more aggressive vocals and the cool little, I don't know. This song just never did a whole lot for me. I definitely wouldn't have closed the album with it. I would have closed with Eleven Silver, which again has the hard stop that I like. And then Ozzy even kind of the comment, is that the last song? Right. That would have been perfect to close the fucking album on that. They're similar in style as far as tempo and stuff. I don't know why you wouldn't have just went with Eleven Silver and then Ozzy muttering that at the end of it to close the album. That would have actually been really cool at that point. But Trap Door for me is a song, and I've always looked at it, and I look at those fucking B-sides, and I'm like, how the fuck do you throw yeah. Trap Door on this fucking record and Nightmare sitting there in the fucking cutting room floor somewhere? What the actual fuck? Who makes these decisions? We'll hope to get to the bottom of that one day on this on this show. Yeah. <laughs> we'll <okay. see. laughs> we desperately also want Kevin Churko on, because Kevin would yeah. be another amazing guest. I mean, even Love to Hate, all those songs, like they're so much better than Trap Door. I'm just not big on it. It's fine as a closer. I don't know what song on the album would have been a better closer other than Eleven Silver for sure would have been the best one. But it just never was a song I was very crazy about. To be honest, I would have picked I Can't Save You as the closer because it's got that great tempo and killer chorus. I love how it ends kind of abruptly as well. I think I Can't Save You would have been a great closer. And I have no idea how the fuck that song didn't get on the record. 100%. Yeah. Now, when I was looking at the album closures, to be fair to myself, I didn't count in the B-sides. I was looking at the tracks they yeah. used. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah, I Can't Save You would have been, again, a, a hard stop with a little bit of the echo, and then yeah. that would be, I Can't Save You Now. And just yeah, the album. exactly. That would be a fucking great closure, too, for sure. But I really love the tempo. I think that would have really enhanced it as a closer. For an album that was drudgy, you know, the whole thing is you feel like you're in mud the whole time. That's everyone's complaint, right? It's a little bit too thick. It never really rocks out. And you got these rockers sitting here that never get the opportunity to, to be on the album. And yeah, I can't save you would have been perfect in that spot. No question about it. So that brings us up to Scream, which closes with actually I Love You All, written by Ozzy Osbourne, Kevin Churko, and Adam Wakeman. But you know me and Dan, we like to fuck shit up every now and then. We decided that wasn't fair enough. I Love You All isn't really a complete song. I will say I think I Love You All is a good way to close the album. 
if it's going to be on the record, that's the best place to have that song. It does close it on a somber. You don't agree? I don't. It closes it for me on a somber note. And we'll let Dan give us his excuse later why he don't think it does. I do like I Love You All as a closer for the Scream album for the most part. But for our purposes, we're wanting to go complete songs. So we're going with Latimer's Mercy, written by Ozzy Osbourne and Kevin Cherko, a song that got a lot of press leading into the album release because of the story behind the song's lyrics. So I actually really like this song. It definitely is slow and it's definitely kind of plodding a little bit. I don't like it as an album closer. So I am glad they tagged on I Love You All because I don't think Latimer's Mercy would have worked as a closer at all. But I do like the song, and the story really is fun to listen to and kind of put yourself in that position. You can't hear it now after knowing you know what it's about and the idea behind the song without kind of putting yourself in that spot. So that the lyrics are definitely heavy. I think Ozzy really liked this one. He talked a whole lot about it when they were pressing this record before it was released. It is definitely a fun listen for me, but not necessarily a song that stands out on the Scream album as a whole. There's so many more better songs on the album. But it is one that I do enjoy from time to time. How about you? I think this is really underrated. This one is worlds better than Trapdoor for me. I think Latimer's Mercy is really killer. I think it's a great closer. I don't like I Love You All as a closer at all. I wish he would have done more like he did with You Know Part 1 on Down to Earth and kind of put it in the middle of the record. I think if they would have brought back the bridge riff, there's no vocals on the bridge on Latimer's Mercy, but there is a killer up-tempo fucking riff that I thought they should have brought back to end the track as well. And I thought it would have been an explosive ending. And I think that's the only fault I have with this song. Just listen to the bridge. There's a great riff and we go a little bit straight time or double time with the drums and it's fucking awesome. And I wish they would have brought that riff back. Now, I think this song is creepy as all hell. Obviously, like you mentioned, it's about Robert Latimer. Back in 1993, had a daughter who he killed because he couldn't stand her suffering anymore. And I think Ozzy, who I think wrote most of the lyrics here, really captures it perfectly. And I love some of these lyrics. You know, being a father, this one really hits home to me. Like, what do you do if you have a child that is suffering every single day? This one just really thought provoking to me. And I love the lyrics a lot. I think they're really deep and eerie. And I think Ozzy's performance is really creepy. It really adds to the aura of the song. Another day, another full seizure, another pill you spiral down deeper, another cut by a surgical butcher. It's just a way of prolonging the torture. It's you fucking know, great, right? It's so good, man. Yeah. That yeah. chorus, I can't bring you back. I can't leave you helpless. So good. I'll make the pain rest in peace. I'll turn off the lights rest in peace and swallow yeah. your last breath. To me, that is. Fucking great. I got goosebumps talking yeah, about it right now. It is, man. And it's Swallow your most last people breath. don't even know. Yeah. yeah. So close your eyes and fall asleep. You know, yeah. I'll never hurt you. I-, I literally got chills going up and down my body right now. This one is tough, man, because Ozzy has so many closers that are just epic. But I, I think this one's very underrated. And if they would have brought back that heavy riff in the, in the middle at the end, I think this song would have been almost perfection. I think it's one of the stronger songs on Screams. I disagree with you on that. And we'll get it when we do our deep dive. But I think this one is classic Ozzy from the tone, especially what it's about and the lyrics and Ozzy's really, really creepy delivery. I put it on the Scream album, low middle of the pack for me. There's definitely yeah. songs I like less. but I'm up, it, upper pack for me. Okay. And that's, yeah. and that's fair. But I will say, to me, the highlight of the song is easily the lyrics, right? I mean, the music itself is in, eh, you know, it's okay. But when you discuss the lyrics like you and I right now, you realize how much better a song this is than a typical listen 
through your headphones where you're not hardly paying attention gives it, if that yeah. makes any sense. Absolutely. Like the lyrics are just so fucking good. And another moment that I love on this song, and I said it a second ago, but I want to reference it again. I can't say I don't know what I'm doing. I can't say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. I fucking love that part. I got chill bumps because I can't say that I'm sorry, but I'm sorry. Like it's so fucking awesome, right? It's fucking exactly what the song's about. The whole feel of that moment is what the whole fucking meaning of the song is. And I fucking, I do love the story. I can definitely see you use the word a minute of thought provoking. I like that. I can see how Ozzy heard this story and was just so compelled. You know, he, he mentions a lot, especially recently, that whatever he's into at the time, you know, is what he wants to write the songs about. I can see him hearing the story and reading the story and it's putting itself as any parent does in, in that situation. What would you do? I mean, if you have a horse or an animal that's sickly or dying or, you know, you put them down, and to have a loved one in that same situation, and what are you supposed to do? It's just a way of prolonging the torture. I, I work in a cancer center. I mean, I see it daily sometimes with people, man, who just go through so fucking much. I can't imagine being in that situation with my children. So it would be the hardest thing in the world to go through, no question. But yeah, the lyrics are so fucking good. And they definitely elevate the song up the chart of Aussie songs because I do like the lyrics that much. Whereas earlier, I know I said I don't, I'm not really a lyric guy, but this is a song where the lyrics really pop out. Yeah, excellent point. It really is an underrated track. I know Scream gets shit on a lot, but there are some gems on this record, and I do have to say Gus G's guitar solo is fantastic. All right, so last, maybe least, is Ozzy's last track on Ordinary Man, which is It's a Raid, featuring Post Malone, written by Ozzy, Austin Post, Louis Bell, Chad Smith, Alexandra Tamposi, and Andrew Watt. Ordinary Man's got so many songwriters on it. Holy crap. You know, that's one of Andrew Watt's things, man. He says it takes a village. He believes in a team approach, and he yeah. fucking practices what he preaches, for sure. So we also did not go with Take What You Want, because Take What You Want is the bonus track off of Ordinary Man. I'm going to beat Josh to the punch here. This should definitely not have been the closer. We all know. We said it last week. Holy for Tonight should have clearly closed this record, and it would have made a major difference on my list. I'll tell you straight up. We know how much Josh and I fucking love Holy for Tonight. But here we are. We're talking about It's a Raid. It was a single. It's got a very dirty punk vibe to it, which seems very inspired by Motorhead. And you would have thought that Duff McKagan would have came up with this track, but he didn't even play on it. It's actually Andrew Watt who's playing bass on this one. And I actually don't think it's as bad as what most people make it out to be. I think people want to hate it just because Post Malone is on it. But it's got a lot of cool things about it, especially the vocal melody of the chorus. There's a couple of things I wish they could have done better. But the song is about the incident when Ozzy was in Black Sabbath during the Volume 4 album, and him and Bill were fucking around, and they wound up calling the cops by accident. They thought they were getting raided for a drug bust, and they were flushing cocaine down the toilet and trying to snort as much as possible. So that's what the song is about. But there are a couple of things I don't like about it, which is Ozzy, for some reason on this track, is very whiny to me. And most of the time, I know Ozzy, a lot of times people can't understand what he says when he talks, but when he sings, most of the time his enunciation is incredible. But for this song, we got this one way early. They released this track, somebody bootlegged it way before it, it came out on the record, and we couldn't even figure out what the fuck he was saying because he's very mumble mouth on this one. And the production of this song in particular, I believe Andrew Watt made dirty on purpose because he wanted that up-tempo punk vibe. And I just wish it was cleaned up a little bit because I really can't even hear what the guitar is doing very much. And I wish I could. So cleaned up Ozzy a little bit, cleaned up the guitars a little bit. I hate Ozzy screaming like we're at a live concert. I don't understand the concept 
or what that has to do with Ozzy getting caught by the cops sniffing cocaine. So it's very confusing to me. But I will tell you one thing I do love about this song, and that is Chad Smith's drumming. He fucking nails it. When I listen to it, that's probably what I'm paying attention to most of the time. But Chad Smith really, really does a great job. For sure. The highlight of this song is 100% Chad's fucking drumming. He is fucking slaying this fucking song. I like It's a Raid. I really do. I 100% should not have closed the fucking record. Awful decision. It should have been Holy for Tonight. Anyone with fucking ears knows that. Holy for Tonight builds up again to that nice fucking crescendo ending, right? Just builds, builds, builds to that fucking final note and holds. I'm doing my hands in the air and waving. I'm like, you guys can fucking see it, but you can't. But anyway, that should have ended the fucking record. No fucking question. I don't know how shit like this happens. Sometimes it just blows my mind. But that said, I do like the song It's a Raid. As a matter of fact, I learned it on guitar just a few weeks ago, and I sent you and Ryan a video of me jamming it because it's fucking fun as shit to play on guitar. Like, if you are a guitar player, learn the lick. It's fun to play. It's up-tempo. I'm like you. The fucking Motorhead vibe they were trying to give it fails. I don't like that. It's fucking staticky. It doesn't sound real good. No doubt what they were trying to do. But what was staticky about Motorhead was typically Lemmy's bass tone. Yep. Not so much the production tone. And they failed on that. I wish they hadn't done that. I do love the beginning that it's a raid because that was actually Ozzy telling the story that you mentioned earlier. But that wasn't like a studio take of him saying it's a raid. Like that was actually from them. What I say when Ozzy was talking, he would often just hit record on the fucking studio recorders and the mics just to pick up Ozzy's fucking stories because they're, they're so damn funny and he was wanted to capture them. And that was actually captured from one of the conversations. I'm not positive. But I think the fuck you all at the end is also. But that said, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't know if I'm getting fucking old. I just think any of the album on a fuck you all was just pointless. I, did, I was not a fan of that at all. Tom Morello is on this track and he plays a lot on it also. But I all can't all, hear I, what he's doing, to be perfectly honest. Just like I can't tell what he does on Scary Little Green Men. Right. I can't really either. I mean, on Scary Little Green, you do have those awkward noises, which is clearly him, right? I mean, that's what he fucking does. But I said that so negatively. I mean, that's just what Tom does. I mean, he he makes noises with guitars that nobody else in the fucking world can make. And either you like it or you don't. But he's he's the only one that can really do them. It's a Right is a fun song. It's just in the wrong place in the fucking album. Point blank, period. The lyrics, actually, I was the one, and I'm not the lyric guy, like I've said a few times this episode. But I was the one that broke down those lyrics and did a pretty good job when we were trying to figure it out before release. You know, it's a fun song. The music video is kind of hokey, but the song's hokey in general. Also, I'm like Dan, that midsection of Ozzy, let me fucking see your hands. That line didn't bother me because that's police talk a little bit. But then when he goes into louder and all the fucking concert banter, that was fucking awful. I just don't know who thought that was the right. I'd rather heard just the fucking band playing without Ozzy at all than that. I, I, it was just fucking atrocious. I actually like Post Malone on this track. I like Post Malone in general. Me too. It's fun. He he does a good job on this song, man. It's it's just a fun song. I it's a good song. It just shouldn't have been where it was in the fucking album. It should have swapped places with Holy for Tonight. And for that reason, it ranks as a lower track Aussie closer in the fucking Aussie fandom world that me and Dan live in. I will tell you, even though I don't like the fuck you all very much at the end, I do love <laughs> when Post says I'm running out of cigarettes. Fuck. I love that part of the song. Oh yeah, agreed for yeah. sure. Because now he's got to leave the fucking house and get cigarettes. And he's like, yeah, busted, yeah. Right? I mean, it's <laughs> right. fucking awesome. Yeah, it's just the, to close it with that. I thought was fucking strange, you know. Yeah. But other than that, I'll and, and the banter in the middle, of course, which we talked about earlier. So yeah, I just wish Ozzy would have had a different take on the song. He's very whiny on this one, and you really got to pay attention what he's saying in the chorus. 
know that hideaway i've been locked up for seven days we had a hard time dissecting that when it first came out we also had a different take of the song oh yeah for sure what what was what was our thought on we thought it was about i'm not too sure all i know is and all the feds are waiting for me somewhere i never would have gotten never that that's a hard fucking line to hear yeah that was the one that when i worked it out that wasn't what i had though yeah you know, even the mama said you can't kill what's already dead. That one finally clicked. But like I said, he's just very whiny on this one. I, I really wish they would have gotten a different take from him. I think it would have made the song better because I do like the melody of the chorus. You know, and they're doing those stops like in War Pigs during mm-hmm. the verses. You know, I hear them breathing on my telephone. But yeah. literally, I actually had the song paused a second ago when I was, I was doing something. I came back in and that's the part it was on. It was just Ozzy by himself. And I just thought, ah. I just really don't like his voice very well in this song. Yeah. I don't know. I think I like this one a touch more than you do. The version we initially found online before that release of this song is slightly different. So I guess it's more of a demo version or maybe it's a different mix. No, it's just a different mix. It's a pre-mix. Uh, yeah. It's not a final like, mix. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a, yeah, exactly. Not a non-final mix. And I found that on YouTube on like a Post Malone thing. So it kind of was weird how that came about. And But it's not very different. Just like you said, the mix is different. And a few of the vocal takes are not different, but like running out of cigarettes and, and, and post and Ozzy sing back together. And on that version, it was just, it's just post. Right. So there's you know little moments like that of just, you know, editing differences and stuff, but I like this song as, as a whole. I think I like it more than most. Like I said, it's really, I think it's a fun song. All right. So we're ready to do our list. I think so. All right. I started last week. So why don't you start? So listeners, we're going to count down from 11 to one. What we rank is Ozzy's best album closers. And we're super excited to hear what you guys have. We'll get into that. So, Josh, why don't you start us off? Number 11. All right. Sounds good. For me, my least favorite Aussie song to close an album is easy as fuck to decide. I simply am not a huge fan of Trapdoor. So, for me, it's Trapdoor. No questions asked. Point blank. Period. My number 11 is actually It's a Raid from Ordinary Man. I just don't think it's a great closer. I think it's weaker than the other album closers that Ozzy has. Yeah, I understand. So in at number 10 for me is Latimer's Mercy, which I really hate to say after the conversation we had about it. I think we had such a passionate conversation a second ago about those lyrics. And I do love the lyrics, but overall as a song, I find it plodding and slow and it just never kind of gets there for me. My number 10 is Trapdoor from Black Rain. Okay, so in at number nine for me, Dan's already hit it. It's a raid from Ordinary Man. So my number nine is even though I love this song, is Latimer's Mercy. But the other tracks that we have coming up are just too damn good because I really love Latimer's Mercy, and I think it's clearly much better than It's a Raid and Trapdoor, but my number nine is Latimer's Mercy. Yeah, you definitely hit on something right there. It's like now shit gets real. <laughs> like right. Those three were the ones was like, okay, you know, now shit gets real. All right, and at number eight for me, this is really fucking hard, man, because at this point, it's they're all so fucking good. But I'm going for... Demon Alcohol from No Rest for the Wicked. And God damn, it hurts to say that. Fuck, I just fell out of my chair. Are you fucking kidding me? I know. Oh Uh, my God. What the fuck just happened? I don't know. I'm drunk. Oh my God. Only I've not drank anything today. Whatever. (laughs) I'm literally speechless. I am without speech. I literally am speechless. Wow. All right. My number eight is the excellent Can You Hear Them? Don't be too speechless, Dan. Tomorrow I'll fucking change it. It don't matter. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Number seven for me from No More Tears, Road to Nowhere. My number seven is also Road to Nowhere from No More Tears. Okay, so that brings us to the top six. And at number six for me. 
from Osmosis, Old LA Tonight. And if you're fucking keeping count, yes, that's twice I've picked Old LA Tonight over Road to Nowhere, even though before I picked it the other fucking way around. What the fuck ever. Don't matter. I remember my, mind, my, mind, my mind changes literally daily on this shit. I can't help but I fucking love them all. We all do. Fuck it. I might be more speechless than I was a second ago. Oh my <laughs> God. Listen, tomorrow, Demon Alcohol will be number three on my list. It don't matter. What the fuck is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I don't even understand this. <laughs> All right, my number six is Shot in the Dark from The Ultimate Sin. Number five for me, Shot in the Dark from The Ultimate Sin. We're on par. My number five is the absolute Aussie classic, Steal Away the Night from Blizzard of Oz. We're definitely hanging out in the same category right now. Number four for me, and just a touch ahead of you on all these, it feels like, Steal Away the Night from Blizzard of Oz. So number four for me is the fucking fantastic, worthy demon alcohol from No Rest for the Wicked. <laughs> Listen, I fucking love that song, man. I'm not fucking No, like, no you lost song. your card, man. You lost your card. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you all! Yeah. yeah. All right. In at number three for me, from Down to Earth, is Can You Hear Them? It's definitely my sleeper. I just fucking think it being placed where it is on the record propels it up the list. Well, I love all of these songs, but the top five in particular were awesome. But my number three is the amazing Old L.A. Tonight from Osmosis. Yeah, such a great fucking pig, man. So that brings us to the top two. And number two for me is Waiting for Darkness for all of the amazing reasons Dan and I have talked about earlier in this show. What a fucking great song. Agreed. Ditto. There's only one song on this list that could have possibly beaten Waiting for Darkness, and unfortunately, it's on the list. But my number two is Waiting for Darkness from the amazing Bark at the Moon record. Yep. And that leaves only one for the both of us. Dan, go ahead and announce it. I announced it last time we have, because we have the same fucking brain. So go ahead and you can announce it this time. There's only one choice here, and that's Diary of a Madman. Not only is it the greatest album closer of all time, it is literally the greatest song of all time. So there was only one answer here, and that's Diary of a Madman. Yeah, no question. And I think anyone listening knew that was going to be both of our number ones before we even began this shit. There was just no question about it. And Dan and I are always so on par with each other that we always end up having like the same number one. (laughs) So, you know, we just announced the both at once. Fuck it. But man, Diary of a Madman is the perfect fucking heavy metal song. It sits alone atop the list of top Aussie closers of all time. So listeners, please let us know what your favorite Aussie album closers are. Give us your top 11 ranking like we just did. We're curious to see, do you rate, can you hear them as high as Josh did? Do you rate Old LA Tonight as high as I did? And, you know, is Waiting for Darkness a sleeper? Are people out there in love with Waiting for Darkness like Josh and I are? It is such a great fucking song. Or are we crazy in Latimer's Mercy and its rate should have been a lot fucking higher? Let us know that also. Yeah, great point. All right, guys, until next time, we will see you on the other side. I don't understand it. Does We're all mean? sitting around waiting for fucking an Aussie album. And all he fucking wants to go and talk about is fucking fucking NFT bats, bats and fucking yeah. skateboards. What the yeah. fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> but those skateboard posters are starting to get old too. God damn it. We know. Hey, have you watched Pam and Tommy yet? No, I've heard it's really good though. We watched three episodes last night after football. It's weird. Like there's one scene where he's on ecstasy and he has a conversation with his penis. It goes like close up on his penis and like is speaking to him. Well, it's big enough. I mean, he can look straight at it. Oh yeah. Straight fucking on. I love this kind of music. That's what I grew up on.
a lot of it. I grew up on doo-wop, but this was my of grandma. Of course you did. You grew up in the 40s. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> that was good.